ingediend om de burgemeestersverkiezingen in Istanbul ruim twee weken geleden ongeldig te verklaren en opnieuw te houden. Daarover moet de kiesraad nog een besluit nemen. Oud-president Alan Garcia van Peru heeft zelfmoord gepleegd. Hij schoot zichzelf door zijn hoofd toen de politie hem in zijn huis wilde arresteren wegens corruptie. Hij overleed korte tijd later in het ziekenhuis. Elektronica-bedrijf Samsung ontkent dat het betrokken was bij de diefstal van Nederlandse bedrijfsgeheimen bij chipmachinefabrikant ASML. Gisteren suggereerde ASML-topman Wenning dat Samsung is teleurgesteld over de berichtgeving. Vorige week werd bekend dat oud-medewerkers van ASML op grote schaal bedrijfsgeheimen hebben gestolen. Minister Grapperhaus onderzoekt of het Openbaar Ministerie en de politie in lopende onderzoeken niet soms te veel informatie geven aan de pers. De rechter bepaalde deze week dat delen van een boek over de gewelddadige dood van Nicole van der Hurk niet mogen worden gepubliceerd, omdat die de privacy van betrokkenen schende. En de gedetineerde die vanochtend ontsnapte uit gevangenis SR Heem in Veenhuizen in Drenthe is na een paar uur aangehouden. De politie vond hem na een tip in een dorp in Groningen. Het is niet duidelijk hoe de man kon ontsnappen. Het weer in het midden en zuiden mogelijk nog een lichte bui, maar vanavond is het bijna overal droog. Morgen zon, ook nog wat sluierbewolking, maar het blijft droog. En het wordt ongeveer 20 graden. Dit was het NOS Journaal. U luistert naar RTV Maastricht. Student Radio Aspect.
Goedenavond iedereen en welkom naar Studentenradio Maastricht. Ik ben Machiel de Groot en dat was My Girls by Animal Collective. Vandaag hebben wij het over experimental muziek. Today in studio we have Miguel. Hello, hello. We have Ruby, Sachet. What's up? Composer Paul Devins and Zaki. Hello everyone. And next we have Hyperballad by Björk.
This week we wanted to focus on a genre we feel doesn't get the attention it deserves, experimental music. Uh, a lot of questions follow this. What is experimental? What does it mean? How can music experiment? And in this hour, I hope we can address some of these questions and maybe learn a little bit together. Um, I want to highlight some really impressively uh, vague ideas that experimental music can entail. Um, so to help us grasp this concept, I want to ask everybody to kind of put aside some conceptions of what music means and what music sounds like, uh, because today I want to encourage everybody to listen to what boundary-breaking music can be. Um, so next up, uh, we have the funky, spacey digital tune called Social Exclusion by 111X. Thank you. 
everybody, Sachit here. I'm really glad to be back on radio. I'm extremely excited to introduce to you our first guest on this radio show, Paul Davins. Paul is a composer and artist, and he teaches at the Academy of Fine Arts and Design. Um, as far as I know, he designs soundscapes, installations, and collaborates on musical projects. I really can't wait to hear what he thinks about experimental music. Thanks for stopping by, Paul. How do you feel today? I'm, I'm good. I, I feel at, at home. I just sat there because uh, all the experimental sounds that are going around here in, in, the, in the room. That's great. That's what we'd hope for. For mm -hmm. starters, could you tell us a little more about your artistic practice? What do you do and what inspires you? Well, um, <laughs> that's that's very difficult to mention in a few uh, sentences. <laughs> but um, I was uh, educated as a as a visual artist. I was educated in the fine arts uh, academy, but uh, I had uh, this special um, um, interest also in in music and a little bit off music. Yeah. Uh, when I started studying in the eighties, uh, it it was like uh, um, punk music or uh, new wave music or. Sure. Uh, after that industrial music and it developed a little bit but at, at that point it never came to to my visual work it was only in the in the later years that things came together and blended um, into something that that could be called like an awareness for sound in space um, but um, for now I, I like to see it as a as a deducted um, ensemble so mm -hmm. um, I'm quite interested in how architecture works yeah. and how uh, spatial condition, uh, conditions work for people that, that are using such a space right. or uh, that is a history of such a space yeah. and uh, what sound can, can be in that. I mean, sound can be conditioning as well. Uh, I mean, th this is this is quite a research that uh, still um, stimulates me to to look ahead, but uh, and look further and be surprised, but um, um, also to make a bridge, uh, perhaps to to the the, the music that um, that I brought. Um, right. Uh, sometimes I also want to, to get out of my comfort zone yeah. and uh, make operations with people that, that have uh, different uh, ways of thinking and different uh, um, experiences and so on. Yeah, as, as a composer, I can get that. Uh, it's something I think everybody who has an artistic inclination tries to do. Mm. Tries to, I think it's a fundamental you know, drive for us. Um, but it's really interesting to hear that your background is in the visual arts and you came to sound because, you know, from my introduction to you, I actually assumed the opposite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because you seem so immersed in this world of sound and music and everything. And it's quite a, it's a pleasant surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. But yeah. there's more of us. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, I wanted to ask you, so on the 5th of April, we, I had come to uh, one of an, an event that you held with your students right. um, in Heerlen. It was called Circumstantial Radio, Radio Lima. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had a really cool jingle for that event. Um, I'd like to play that if possible. Exactly. Could you tell us a little bit more about this event and a little bit more about the jingle in particular? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, 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 the jingle is more like a byproduct. No, it, it was uh, more like a workshop. 
Um, because I'm a teacher, I like to involve also my students in the projects that I do or of the course. context that I have. Uh, so uh, there's um, a left, an um, abandoned school that some that an artist bought yeah. and wanted to do um, artistic uh, um, exp experiments and and uh, yeah, want to have an an, um, an art space in there. Yeah, and yeah. this is uh, like the first project there, and I worked there for a week long uh, with students, my my students, and um, they were making installations, but some students also were making soundscapes, um, and then everything got concluded by a live radio show, and. Um, uh, as as a radio show, um, there, it was filled with interviews and and the the sound pieces. Yeah. But it's also um, the third version of a series of three. Um, like circumstantial radio is like an ongoing project of my art practice. Oh, I see. And um, the first edition was in was in Dakar uh, as uh, part of the off program of the Dakar Biennial for Contemporary for African Contemporary Art Art. And um, in this off program, we uh, used a, a small a minivan to drive around in the city and make uh, like uh, pirate radio shows. Wow, that is so cool! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the second edition of uh, Circumstantial Radio um, is still going on actually in on Curacao. Uh, in the island, um, and um, it's part of the uh, Instituto Buena Vista. I have a space there. I got a space there to make a new studio, a sound studio, and a oh. radio studio in it. And when you say it's going on, do you mean to say that it's a kind of project or installation that that is continuing to play? Yeah, at, at Curaçao, I, I f founded this together with the, the staff of uh, IBB, Instituto Buena Vista, yeah. um, in order also, because it's a, it's, it has an important education um, uh, part uh, of this institute. It's not only an exhibition space and a residency for artists, it's also a place where young people um, are prepared uh, to do a study after that in, in the Netherlands, like oh, art studies. I see, yeah. So they have one or two years there to, to work in their development and um, my cooperation was on my part was to make uh, um, sound and and radio oh wow well that's really interesting to hear i personally had a great time at uh, circumstantial radio mm -hmm. it was amazing to see what your students came up with and uh, I, I i enjoy the radio event at the end so anyway moving on uh, our theme today in this session is uh, experimental music um, so I wanted to ask what your opinion on experimental music was, if, because to me it's one of those terms that is very, it's so vague, you know, mm -hmm. and on the other hand, it's my favorite kind, one of my favorite kind of music, and uh, I somehow know what it's trying to say, the term, but on the other hand, I could never define it for myself, mm -hmm. so I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. <laughs> it's very versatile, it's, it's uh -huh. uh, everything that left the, left, left the usual path of right. music, yeah. of conventional music making. Anything could be experimental. Indeed, and yet I sometimes feel like um, all these different threads that arise out of leaving the usual path seem to have a certain common aesthetic to them. Hmm. There is something that binds them together, and it's it's more concrete than just um, a search for the new. What do you think about that? I don't know. Um, I think also time has a big influence on that. At the moment that 12-tone music uh, uh, appears, then that is experimental music, but now right. it's the established music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think this idea is also uh, evolving. Yeah. And um, what we call experimental now is maybe mainstream tomorrow. Indeed. And it's uh, interesting how you mentioned experiment, uh, sorry, 12-tone music, because 12-tone mm. uh, music, indeed, it is now very much established music. Although some, um, some people still tend to view it, if not as experimental music, but as other music. As <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you know what I mean. Other yeah. music. Uh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that, that was interesting. What, um, what are other people? <laughs> um, I don't know, except that I fear that I might be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I think everything is included and yeah. inclusive. I mean, this is, this is the main thing. Um, why, why thinking in, in, in such... Uh, Different paths. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Why can't it be um, uh, part of the same discourse? Part of a larger whole. Yeah. 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 And and uh, let let influences uh, uh, be there and an influence uh, that 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 uh, scenes or um, directions are influencing each other. It's much more interesting um, instead of putting everything apart. Right. Yeah. I see what you mean. Um, could you maybe tell us a little bit about your uh, your process? Oh, uh, that's that's very different. I don't know. Um, I could talk about anything, but maybe you should mention um, mention uh, uh, an example. Um, I think uh, this would be a good time to play one of your tracks, perhaps, and then mm -hmm. uh, talk about it. Okay. So uh, Paul brought some tracks uh, to, to the studio with him, and the first first up is a track that he calls Transient. Um, I like it quite a bit, and I'd love to hear what he thinks, what he says about it.
Anastasia here in the studio has an interesting question to ask Paul about this track. So while we were listening, um, I was really intrigued by the idea, uh, the idea of um, soundscapes because uh, while we were listening to the track, I could hear a lot of different layers and a lot of different things um, being expressed, and I was just curious. Uh, as to like what a soundscape entails and how you determine how you want to build up that sound and that scenery. Mm -hmm. um, well, th this actual piece is uh, specially made for uh, um, for a shuttle bus. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of included uh, the sound of the motor. I had to mm -hmm. uh, to think of that at forehand uh, that, that that this diesel engine is going to. Uh, you know, um, gain in speed or, or slow down, and um, so that's going to be part of this composition. So actually, we're we're listening to half of a composition. It's not complete. It's um, not complete without the, without the engine. Yeah, exactly. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I, I build it up um, based on this idea, and then I come with little sounds that mm -hmm. uh, that pop out of it. Um, and I use all kinds of instruments like uh, analog synthesizers. Yeah. Uh, I also use this toy walkie-talkie set. <laughs> uh, I let it feedback with each other, put both uh, one send, one receive and put them together so it starts to sing itself and then make a variety of distance in between them so you can modulate the sound in, uh, in, in this way. Um, I'm improvising a little bit. It, it, it is a little bit like painting. That mm -hmm. uh, you, you get a color and a shape, and then you step back to, to watch whatever happened on the on the canvas, and then you interfere again. Um, this is the only relation with painting in my work, uh, I, I could say. But but still, this mentality is there. It's the only relation, but it's a very fundamental relation, isn't it? Because you view the canvas in the same way, to so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, uh, yeah, you have to to ask yourself uh, when when things are finished or uh, what what it needs or how the dialogue is being established. Right. Yeah. Uh, because I'm not writing music, I I can't anticipate on how an instrument is going to be played by right. a, by a musician. Uh, I'm the musician myself, so I yeah. and I use the studio as a as a tool as a as a musical instrument. So um, I have to react on whatever I have, and I have to to do everything in real time in order to, to have this uh, reference to whatever I'm doing. Right, yeah. So you're, from, from a musical perspective, you're both the composer and the performer. Yeah, according to this, yes. Yeah, yeah. from 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 that <laughs> from that perspective, right? I I never would exclude uh, a cooperation with a musician, but, but yeah, yeah, uh, of on course. this piece, not. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Or the, the the chauffeur, the driver, is is uh, is a musician. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. That was that was really interesting to hear. Um, our next track is going to be uh, "Miracle" by Otomax. Um, Paul, can you tell us a little bit about Otomax? Uh, it's a group of uh, people. Otomax is five people. And uh, we are uh, making improvisation within five minutes, usually. Uh, our concerts are all improvised based on um, on this improvisation limited to the, that time, played on um, children's toys, a circuit band, uh, organs from Casio, Yamaha, um, Game Boys, cassette players. We improvise a lot with that. And when you say circuit band, what, what exactly do you do with these things? Well, when <laughs> you can buy a, a second afraid. hand, uh, <laughs> afraid. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, everything is battery powered, so it's not really dangerous. Um, okay. No, uh, you open up such the, the case of an organ, and um, I have some knowledge of electronics, so I, I know what what the chips or the transistors do, and I know how to manipulate them in order to get the different result out of it. So, um, in order to do that, um, you you can um, make make a different sound as what what the factory. Or, or what the company that actually produced the toy right. or produced the, the, the electronic instrument um, wanted, wanted to, to reach with that. And now you're doing something else. You are kind of uh, hacking the system. Yeah, you're repurposing yeah, <coughs> these exactly. instruments. That's really interesting. Um, and when you, when, you, when you hack these instruments, do you usually have a goal in mind or is it more open-ended exploration and then you find a sound that you like and compositions result from that? Well, both. But um, yeah, there, there's a part of the circuit band uh, community that, that just uses wet fingers uh, to touch the circuit boards and, and then just to improvise and listen to it. But because I have some knowledge of electronics, it's also damaging this, this um, very elementary idea. Uh, I, I know where, where to touch things yeah. uh, or where to make uh, connections. By wet fingers, you mean literally fingers dipped in water and playing <laughs> exactly. with... Okay, that's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. You're a living resistor. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, a little risky. <laughs> well, battery power. Yeah, it's battery power. That's <laughs> kind of safe, yeah. But that's really, really interesting. And um, I'd like to ask you, do you really pronounce it as smiracle? Uh, yeah, I think so. The, the, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> I didn't come up with that. That was the singer. <laughs> I see. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming down today, uh, today, Paul. We, we were really glad to have you here. And uh, to see you off, we'd like to play Smiracle by Otomax. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
1977 album, The Trans Europe Express. Uh, for our next segment, we have a 2T. Um, I really have to enunciate the T's. My American accent really makes this word difficult for me. Um, but a 2T is an orchestra term where everybody has the chance to play their instruments, and in this case, everybody has the chance to talk about their opinions. Um, so today we want to talk about experimental music. What is it? What do we think it is? 
I don't know. Opinions, please. Well, first of all, I didn't know what experimental music was at all. Like, what is the definition of experimental music? So I've definitely learned a lot today. Uh, it was a very interesting discussion. I've still got some more questions that I wish I could have asked him and uh, got some debates here. But, uh, I mean, what is the difference? What is the difference between experimental music and just normal music, except for the instrument? Oh, man, you're like the atheist of the temple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul was a, a really neat guy. He's gone. Um, he left already. He has a very tight tight uh, schedule. But um, I... I was really excited that he was here because I feel like he's a lot of really interesting insight to this as a composer, as a musician who like literally experiments with sound. Um, one of the things that I was thinking of before um, today uh, was I hear a lot of like digital sounds, like a lot of computer ding-dong noises um, in experimental music and I feel like that's a red thread that I hear as like not a familiar person with musical composition. Mm. But I also hear those sounds a lot of the time in music that isn't experimental. So I just wanted to like see, because I know we have musicians in the studio right now. What's yes, the opinion? That is true. I mean, I always feel like it's very dependent on that time period. Like what are, if you're using new technologies, new timbres, new sounds in your music, even if it's more, if it's more like pop, simple melody or anything, it can, that is what really what makes it experimental is like the methods that you're using to accompany that melody more than anything else. Um, I feel like, like a good example of that is like Bjork's uh, third album, Homogenic, which is very electronic, but she also pairs it with like orchestral strings. And it's, it was a very new sound for that time. And so for that time, it was very experimental. And everything that branches, everything that came forward from that, I feel like I feel like it's very much dependent on the time. So if it's new at that time, then it is experimental. But if it's techniques that have still been done for a long period of time, then maybe it isn't necessarily as experimental, or if it's, unless it's like done in a different way. The way I tend to think of it is um, specifically to answer Miguel's question. <clears throat> um, all of us have at some point played with the synthesizer, you know? And uh, we've all, you know, looked at these. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. Oh, Miguel, now. <laughs> You know, you've, you've kind of broken down the entire analogy for me. But for the rest of the world who has probably done this, so, um, you know, we've all pushed a bunch of buttons and figured out and, you know, listened to the sound after pressing some keys and, wonder, and wondered, does this work, you know? And we might, some of us might have played a guitar, you know, the first time you hold an instrument and, you, you know, you try things out and you just ask yourself, does this work? You listen to it. And for me, experimental music at some level attempts to recreate this feeling, you know? Uh, putting together really, really disparate sounds, uh, you know, uh, unusual sonic palettes, and asking the question, does this work? What if I did this? So it's kind of like playing in the um, playing in the sand in the sand pits of music, so to speak. But where would you put the the line? Well, you don't have to define experimental music, of course. But I feel most of today's music in this radio show has been electronic music. Has been synthesizers has been i don't know weird sounds that you don't usually hear in music however when we were having the discussion beforehand when i was just asking what are we going to talk about because I'd, experimental music could be anything in my opinion uh, you could also include get people combining flamenco with pop right now yeah very much and um i don't know if people would view that as experimental music but i think that's very much in the spirit of the kind of things we are talking about today 
Mm. And I kind of love to hear that actually. Mm. <laughs> Me too. Um, and I feel like it's again about the techniques. It doesn't necessarily have to be electronic. There's one experimental artist called Leia, I believe, that uses predominantly um, harp and violin and vocals. Uh, the harp and violin are tuned in ways to like complement their complement certain to complement certain harmonic elements, and the vocals are complete gibberish. And it sounds very interesting. I think that is, and while it's still like classical instruments and you know pretty standard instrumentation, you know instrument, but there's vocals and an accompaniment. It's still very experimental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, to kind of put it, I mean, I feel a little bit of a dummy surrounded by all my musicians around here, <laughs> but I'm also a musician. I'm a classical pa- uh, tambourine player. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, soft brag there in front of all my friends but how and all listeners <laughs> and all listeners as well but how it, what i play i play very classical spanish music but the fact that i'm playing it in a modern day setting and the fact that i'm playing it uh in a university setting all dressed up in a fancy way you could classify that experimental because you haven't done that before you know, I think one thing that was really interesting that, that Paul mentioned was that um, with the times changing, maybe there's not as much of a common thread as some people might interpret. Um, and also, you know, the context is very important to it. And um, I think a big thing in experimental music is um, pushing the medium. You know, it goes back to tape tracks, things like that, and uh, Anastasia oh, yeah, mentioned. Yeah. yeah, Anastasia mentioned uh, the electronic sounds, synthesizers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's less to do necessarily with the instruments you use and more how you experiment with them. You know, that's the root word of it. But I think that's the question. Is experimental music just experimenting with music or is there more of a cohesive definition that you have there? I think, as with anything, when we struggle to define art, uh, it's always going to be fruitless. But I want to play devil's advocate for a hot minute and say that Bjork has had, what, a 30-year uh, career, longer than that, 40 years. She's been around. She's Iceland's queen, absolutely. But because she's solidified herself in this niche genre of experimental, is it experimental anymore? Because she's solidified that. She's no longer pushing any boundaries when she's become satiated with where her music is and how her career is running. I would say that she is still experimental, and I'll tell you why. Okay, tell with, me. I've, I've listened to every Bjork album. Um, <laughs> so I can say this, that with each album that she is, each album she is trying something new. Like, for example, like the, I mentioned the album Homogenic before that was mm-hmm. electronic, like electronics and strings. Her next album was also very electronic, but a lot, like, very quiet. The album after that was completely acapella. It was mm-hmm. all based around the sound of voice. The album after that was more pop-ish, okay. The album after that was very much based on like the natural world and just like exploring these things and so and then her latest album it's very much like electronics mm-hmm. it was produced by arca and and so the fact the very fact that with each album she is trying something new i feel like that is very much in the spirit of experimentation yeah. and experimental music itself absolutely uh, i would argue that all artists are trying to do that a lot of musicians even though pop musicians you can see uh, mainstream musicians who are trying to always push themselves. I, mean, I don't want to take the voice of I don't know any other cl- any famous singer songwriter or whatever, but 
I think they're always trying to push themselves. I think that's just the human condition of trying to improve yourself. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to do the same thing over and over again mm -hmm. in life. But I think there's something to be said about an artist. Oh, well, I'm getting the motion to wrap it up. <laughs> uh, I got really excited. Um, in case you didn't know, I'm an arts and culture student of Fasos. Um, so I'm really into the, this stuff, whatever it is. Um, but next up, I actually have a song um, from Sufjan Stevens, Vesuvius. Uh, I love it. I think it's experimental, but in a way we haven't heard before. So I hope you like it too. cultural uh, agenda we have uh, the Dutch composer and musician uh, Bink Beats performing at the Musique at Dorai on Friday as part of his European tour uh, he's most recently released his last EP in his trilogy in March um, it fits in our theme of experimental it's unordinary and it, it melds organic and synthetic in a really cool way uh, please listen, support local artists, and on sun Saturday, the 27th, uh, the Unknown Orbits Festival is arriving to Maastricht at the Mandro. Uh, it's an experimental music festival focused on weird underground art. Uh, once again, I encourage you to check it out. Um, and this is a spot where I would like to cordially thank our helpers and uh, nice people, uh, Code043 for supporting our initiative, and RTV for giving us a space uh, and the abilities to host this program. So a big thank you. Thank you. Yay. Um, we are here every Wednesday, 6 to 7. Please listen. Tell everybody about us. Uh, we want to be big. Here's our next song, the last song, Archangel by Burial. 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 I don't know. Archangel. Archangel. 
Rederij Stiphaus maakt er iedere tweede en vierde zondag van de maand een smaakvolle dag van. Stap aan boord van onze brunchboottocht of de Pannenkoekencruise. Brunchen op de wateren rondom Maastricht. Een unieke belevenis voor het hele gezin. Rederij Stiphaus laat u twee uur lang genieten van een heerlijk brunchbuffet met afsluitend een dessertbuffet. Ook erg gezellig, de Pannenkoekencruise. Onbeperkt pannenkoeken eten die u zelf kunt garneren met heel veel lekkers. Ahoy en enjoy! Reserveer op stiphout.nl of bel 043 351 5300. Echte gezelligheid! Boef je het! Van alles schets! Iedere maandag hamburgers 8,75. Dinsdag, woensdag en donderdag pizza's voor 7,75. En Kijk voor meer info of van allesgets.com. De brunchboottocht en de pannenkoekencruise van Rederij Stiphout varen ook tijdens de paasdagen. Ahoy en enjoy! Reserveer op stiphout.nl of bel 043 351 5300. De geschiedenis van Maastricht kun je proeven. Want de Hoeskamer van Maastricht heeft er een eetkamer bij. Welkom in Brasserie de Vogelstruis. Pal naast Café de Vogelstruis, ons nieuwste familielid. Kom lunchen of dineren en geniet van de authentieke Maastrichtse gerechten. Zoals de vleesgerechten naar recept van de familie Hostenbach. Brasserie de Vogelstruis, proef de geschiedenis van Maastricht. U luistert naar RTV Maastricht. 87.5 op de kabel, 107.5 in de ether. Freddy van Tijn met het NOS Journaal. Staatssecretaris Blokhuis schrijft de Tweede Kamer dat er dit jaar inderdaad tot nu toe 30 meldingen van de ziekte de BOF zijn. En dat zijn er meer dan in dezelfde periode de afgelopen vijf jaar. De Kamer had vragen gesteld over acht gevallen van de BOF onder studenten in Utrecht. De Indiaanse luchtvaartmaatschappij Jet Airways heeft alle vluchtig...